I want to welcome you here this morning also. It's good to see each and every one of you. I want to also um, tell you that if you did not make uh, Sunday school time, I really, this is not just my job, okay? <laughs> um, we had a, a wonderful time in Sunday school with starting up in Nehemiah again and also in the Fellowship Hall. Um, and you learned some interesting things there this morning, that those of you that were there. And I just want to really encourage you about getting here at 9 and being a part of that. And uh, it just in, it helps, helps you grow, helps enhance your, your walk with the Lord. And in the Fellowship Hall, it's with your children. And uh, the children are right there with you learning. It's a great time. So uh, we're going to carry on here. And uh, in our study of the book of Colossians, and we've made it to chapter 3, Tim made some wisecrack about, you know, trying to make it through a book in, in a short period of time. <laughs> but we want to go through this and understand these verses. Um, we want to understand that the, the whole picture of Colossians is to lift up Jesus Christ. It's about the supremacy of of Jesus Christ and the need to teach the Colossians there that there was no need to add anything to their their faith in Jesus Christ okay and we have similar challenges in our day and age we think we've got to add something to the mix add something to the equation and we don't Colossians is telling us this you don't need to add anything. If you just get to know Jesus Christ more and more and more, bingo, there you go. That's it. That's what we need. We need Jesus, not just to save us. We need Jesus to help us walk through this day and through this week. So here we come upon this time now in uh, moving into Colossians chapter 3. Um, what we saw, if you were here last week, we studied that last section of the, of chapter two. And there in, in, in the last section of chapter two was this effort to push forth a false spirituality. You keep the rules. You get a higher experience. Or you just downright beat yourself for a higher spiritual experience. That's, the t- that's what the false teachers were saying. If you just add those things into your life, you'll really be a spiritual person. And Paul was saying, no, wrong. Look at the end of chapter 2, verse 23. These matters which have, uh, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body. Those are the things he's trying to highlight to say those are wrong. Those are false. And what does he say? They're They're of no value against what? Fleshly indulgence. See, there's no one of you that can tame. I don't think there's a one of you here that can tame a raging bull. Maybe there is a a good cowboy or cowgirl here that can do that. (laughs) I don't know. But one thing I do know, and that is, not a one of you, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, can tame your own sin nature. 
You cannot tame it. You need a savior. You need Jesus because he died for your sins. He took your punishment and he conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the devil. Let it be so. (laughs) And he lives forevermore. He rose up from the grave. He lives forevermore. And so with this in mind, remember last week we called it the three ring circus of religiosity. So that's what we were talking about last week. But now he's saying, hey, do you want to be genuinely spiritual? You really want to know what it means to be genuinely spiritual? Okay, that's what he's talking about in chapter three. Now he's getting to practical Christian living. And it's not some mystical thing. It's not some, you know, cut your, cut your skin up or whatever kind of punishment to your body. Because the false teachers were saying what? That your body was evil. And so you got to punish your body. Well, no, no, no. I, and by the way, I, I remember, and you know, some of you folks I'm sure have, have seen it or seen it in person, um, going to Mexico City, going to Guadalajara, going to cities down there where people were told you make things right by crawling on your hands and knees to church. That's what was put in their minds. Little women, old men, you know, having to pay for their sins. What false teaching that is. Along with other things that I'm not going to go into now, but it's just, it's so prevalent in, in the minds of religious people that you, you must pay because of your sin and you need to add to what Jesus did. Wrong. You don't have to add one thing to what Jesus did because you can't. You can't add to it. So, you want to be genuinely spiritual? I think if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, each and every one of you in the depths of your heart wants that. You want to be genuinely spiritual. All of this is based on one's vital union with Christ. It's all based on that. Okay? There's not a bunch of hoops that you jump through. It's just, here's this one thing. Have you come to know Jesus as your Savior, your Lord? Is He your God? Has He saved you? Are you forgiven? Do you know that? Then it's all, all of what comes now is based on this one thing. One's vital union with Christ. Verse 1, chapter 3, look at it. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, we can say it this way. Since you are raised with Christ. If you're a believer, we say it that way. It's not a matter of Colossians 3.1 saying, it's not an issue of doubting one's position, but Colossians 3.1 is a matter of affirming one's position. Got it? So that's what we need. All throughout this study, I've been picking up this, this concept of it's about your identity in Christ. It's who he is and who you are as a believer, in, as a child of God. The more we can sink our anchors into who we are in him, the better off we're going to be. 
And so, since you are raised with Christ, that's the way we can say it, there are subsequent changes and new purposes in life. You know, that's what we need to get excited about, is what God's will is for our life. And every day can be a new adventure, my friend. Not drudgery. Why is it drudgery? Why do I think of this next day? Oh, I don't want to go through this next week. Oh, I got soccer kids coming. Oh, my goodness. All that kind of thing. Uh, next week, I don't even want to talk about next week. BBS, come on. You know. No, see, every day. And even if it's that you're not involved personally, physically in the outreaches here at church, there's other things that you get to think, oh, this has caused me drudgery. Why? What, did God fall asleep? Did God walk away? What is going on? Then why do I feel such drudgery in life? Maybe it's because I don't have my eyes on Jesus. Maybe I've got my eyes on some other quasi-spiritual thing. So, Paul then presents us here. He, he's saying, being identified with Christ in His death and His resurrection, that's the key. The Christian, if that's true, if I am identified with Christ in his death and resurrection, I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, can now understand the many spiritual truths that are right under my nose. The treasures that are there, they're abundant in Christ. The privileges and riches of his heavenly kingdom. And all the time, it seems like so much of our lives are back to drudgery. And what's the matter, you know, with this spiritual life thing. How come I don't get it? How come I, I don't have more of it? It's not because of anything that's happened to you. It's not because of any other person that's bothering you. It's simply you saying, I will look to Jesus today. I'm going to walk with him today. I'm going to ask him to help me today. And so this book that we're looking at this letter has shifted now from chapter one and two from here's a doctrinal foundation to now here we go get up and go live it go walk it and here it is paul presents the believer in jesus christ with four spiritual disciplines that we see in verses one through four okay four spiritual disciplines number one He's saying in verse 1, if or since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So number one is to search for things above or to seek. And that is, you can add this word, continually. That's the way the Greek phrase is put. It's continual. And seek is a command. It's an imperative. Things are, uh, things that are above are what you're seeking. What is that? Things that are pertaining to our walk with Christ, our true home, our true citizenship in heaven, our true head in our King, Jesus Christ. Those, that's what he's getting at. Anything pertaining to your life in Christ. 
and number or letter A under number one is where Christ is. And that's re- really getting at his position. Where Christ is. You keep seeking the things above where Christ is. His position. And it, his position is stating that he's accomplished his work on the cross, rose from the grave, and now he's in the place of authority at the right hand of God. And so his position, and we've talked about that in the past, that he sat down at the right hand of God. The work is finished. That's why I said earlier, there's no need to add to his work. It's foolish. It's vain. You can't do it. You rest in what he's accomplished. And so his position, listen, his position then gives definition to what we ought to be seeking. Letter B, it all reminds us then where we are reminded of his victory. His victory. It's a complete victory. The more we seek those things above, the more we are reminded of him. The more we are reminded of his position, the more we are reminded of his power and then of his victory. Now, this I I said earlier, this seeking is continual. It's not just on Sunday mornings. It's not just on Wednesday night. It's not just at Bible study time, at small group. It's continual. That's the life. You know, we, we talk and we sing about worship here. Your life is to be a life of worship. Why do you wait for Sunday morning to worship? Your life ought to be a life of worship. Okay? And so this seeking, you know, to search for or seek the things above, it's continual. It is pursuing. It's an active endeavor. It's not something that will happen if you just don't change anything as you are. See, folks, this is a responsibility for the child of God. Paul has now said, if you've been raised, or since you've been raised, you seek the things above, where Christ is. If you do not change what you're normally about in life, you're going to continue, you know, it's, it's simply by default that you'll continue in pursuit of what is worldly and what is sinful. And when we say that, let me say, I, I want to qualify it, saying that, that you just keep seeking sinful things. It's not like it's murderous things, wickedly evil things, but it is sinful in God's eyes. It's based on your reliance, your strength. That's sinful. It doesn't meet up with God's standards. And yet we justify it, don't we? We say, ah, you know, it's okay. It's not evil. And so we've got to learn to define these things. What, you know, what these things are about. You know, it's like, have you really been saved? So if you've really been saved, then you seek those things. You search for those things and you do it continually in your life. Well, right away I start thinking, well, here I am saying to a congregation of people, you, you, you seek for it continually. And there's a lot of times in my own life, I know I haven't sought him and the things above in a continual fashion. Welcome to the world of, you know, 
struggle with the flesh. Got it? Welcome to the world of struggling with the things of the flesh. But let's go back to Romans chapter 8. And, you know, we're not going to turn there now, but in your mind, on your notes, you can jot it down. Romans chapter 8 talks about this very thing. The mind that is set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh is death. Grow and learn on these things. Okay? So it has to be, you know, as much as possible. Here's a continual searching. Okay? Continually searching. I wonder what it would be like if, you know, we lost something valuable, you know. And for some of us that just have this thing in our chemistry, it might not even be valuable, but I'm going to go find it. I will find this. I'm going to find this. This is lost. It's a little piece to this or that. And you want to just, you're not going to stop till you find this thing. And you know what I mean? And it's that kind of searching Searching for those things above. Second discipline, number two, to set your mind, or to set the mind, your mind, on things above. Verse two, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. Okay? And this has to be consistently, similarly speaking, it's just a continuous, consistent type of setting your mind on things above. Let's start with letter A. To the things on earth. He gives us the clear contrast. Keep in mind the very context here in, from Colo- end of Colossians 2, important note, end of Colossians 2 is part of the context here. Just because we have chapter 3 put kind of in between doesn't mean there's a break in things. It's a, a, a flow. From end of chapter 2, you know, here are things of the earth. What were they? Look at chapter 2, verse 4. I say this so that no one will delude you with, what? Persuasive argument. Look at verse 8, chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Here are things of the earth that we're to watch out for. Is that the only thing to be on the alert for? No, <laughs> There's all sorts of other things that would divert us from the one that we're truly to seek and the things that we're to think on. This is a mental exercise, a mental discipline. Well, what are some other things? You know, you go home with your family and make up a list. Make it a, a little activity for the evening or the afternoon to say, hey, let's talk about... Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. What are some of the things that we think of of the earth? We're not talking geographically. You know, we're not talking, you know, location-wise. We're talking of the, the things of the world. So make up a list. What about materialism? What about coveting? What about worldly pleasures? What about things that we get to... Those are things we think about. But we don't call them that. We just th- think of it in other terms. And so it's not really convicting when we go thinking about it. So it's important that we think through these things. things these things of the earth, they are things that are below us. Things that were never, listen, never intended to satisfy us. 
Those are the things we think about. And yet they were never intended to satisfy us. And yet we keep going after those things. And we, you know, we just, it's like that cycle, you know, of life. But until you pursue the person of Jesus Christ, you'll never have a satisfaction then in life. You'll ne- you never will. Because you're, ch- you're chasing after what? Temporary things. Things that are going to waste away. Things that are perishable. But in Christ, you can pursue things that are what? Eternal. You know, things that are of the earth, they really turn you more and more away from heavenly things. Things that, uh, there are things that actually stir up lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. First, first John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Those, the, that's why we have a, a lack of peace in our lives. It's because, why? My mind is set more on the things of the earth rather than things of heaven. And my friend, you have to catch yourself. You know, the spiritual police pastor isn't going to show up and say, what are you thinking about right now? (laughs) That's not going to happen. And so you need to respond to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit in your life prompting you to say, yeah, you know what? That's really of the earth. I don't need to be dwelling on that. Do you need to do better at your job? Well, sure. Those are things that you can think of because why? That's something that can please God. God says, you know, later on in Colossians, whatever you do, do it, at, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So those are good things to, to think about. How can I do my job better? But not a matter of saying, well, you know, gee, I, I got to go to the casino and, and earn some more money. That's obviously of the world. That's not going to be giving you peace with God. That's a diversion. And a lot of the diversions are very attractive. So thus you need to grow in discernment with the things of the word of God. And, and be able to grow to say, you know, I'm not going to do that. I want to stay away from that. So those, those are some of the things that we think of that are from that, uh, that category. Things on the earth. Letter B, things above. Heavenly things. The aim of your thought life. What is the aim of your thought life? He's saying, set your mind on things above. It's like you... you if we could just take our, our little brains here, you know, pull them out like the, the tape player out of the dashboard, you know, and set your mind on things above. That's what he wants. And here are the things above. Things that are going to bring glory to God. Things that are going to bring peace from him. Joy, hope, contentment. You know, what's, uh, I know this is a challenge because I, I face the same kind of thing. What's really worth my time, my endeavor, my thinking? What, 
what is it? You know, am I um, spending too much time thinking about things that I can't do anything about? In other words, worry? Anxious? Being anxious? Commit them to the Lord. Pray. Ask God for His help in that regard. Well, my dear wife um, has a blog going where she writes and uh, shares some uh, wonderful, beautiful things. And she quoted from a devotional book that she received just recently uh, on her birthday. And I want to share this at this point. Here's in regards to things above. She quotes this writer... Living in God's presence results in an awakening of your senses to everything around you that pertains to His will. You begin to see people from a new perspective and look at circumstances differently. Now, stop right there. Think about it. Do you catch yourself looking at people the same old way? Uh, Or with some sort of a freshness? God help me today in being a blessing to others. Circumstances in the same kind of way. Do I look at the circumstances as further drudgery? Further depression? Because I can't escape them? Maybe God wants you to endure them. James chapter 1? Yeah? Count it all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulation. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Right? Well, reading on, says, it means adjusting your sights to His instead of requesting that He narrow His vision for you. It means taking notice of what He is doing and how He is equipping you to join Him. He requires that you not only seek Him, but that you anticipate Him. You tune yourself to His frequency by being attentive and aware. Right? So, some interesting thoughts to help us in seeking those things above and setting our mind on things above. Listen, this is a commandment. It's a command. Seek the things above. Set your mind on things above. And it's your responsibility, you, Christian, it's your responsibility to think and to set your mind on things above. And a lot of times we even, you know, get to talking with other people. Maybe we hear it. Maybe we say it ourselves. Oh, there's no really any way of me, you know, controlling my thought life. Baloney! You can control your thought life. And here's the challenge. A lot of us are just letting all sorts of garbage flow into the mind. What do you think is going to happen? What do you expect when you let garbage come in? And garbage of all kinds, all forms, all forms of garbage comes in. But, oh, but it's beautiful art. It's beautiful music. I like to, but whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, evaluate it in light of Scripture and in light of Jesus. Ask ask God's help and direction in this area. 
So, on the other hand, listen, I, I see people in our community of believers. I see people who are responding, who are thinking of things above, who are seeking the things above. I see this, and guess what? <laughs> They're growing. They're growing in their faith. They're growing in their trust in Jesus because they're setting their minds on things above. Again, it's the, here's the hallmark of true spirituality. And our media has really done a number on it. They, they grab a hold of you know, things that take place, actual stuff that takes place, and they work it. The media can work it over really good. And yet, are we going to be a people that can show our world here in Fallon that it's real and genuine, that Jesus has made a difference in our lives? Can we do that? And it's not going to happen by osmosis. It's going to happen as you seek the things above, as you set your mind on things above. If you've been awakened to spiritual things, if you've been born again, then <laughs> you, you got to keep doing this. Keep seeking the things above. Keep setting your mind on things above. So, I, I think one thing I want to mention before we move on to point three is that this business of set your mind on things above, um, you know, we got to recognize danger can come in all sorts of slick, subtle ways. Danger for your spiritual life. And I want to mention things like music. You know, we've all got different... We say, oh, I've got my taste in music. Um, why do advertising companies put music in? Why do movies put music in to the background? What, those kind of questions. Why? Music is the thing that opens up your heart. It opens up your heart. And let's just say it's, it's a, you know, a country western song. We say, oh, you know, country western, that's, you know, it's kind of generic. It's not like nasty, uh, I don't know what kind of music is out there. <laughs> kind of lost touch. Um, all I can think of is bashing music, you know, rock and roll bashing music. I don't know. That's old school, anyway. But even with general things, things that seem like they're not going to do any harm, Christian, you need to weigh it out. Is this really drawing me closer to the Lord? There's all sorts of music out there that can open up your heart to worshiping God on a regular daily basis. And we take time to go with music that's really going to draw us more to the things of this earth. More to things that, you know, are passing, are temporal. If I stepped on your toe, good. I want to, I mean, that's not much of a step on your toe, to be honest. But I want to challenge you in this way. Because it is something that reaches in farther than you realize. And so examine that in your own life and ask God for His guidance. Ask Him for His help in that way. 
uh, literature. What kind of literature? It's important to read and stretch your minds in that way and, and fill your minds with good things, challenging things. And so let us fill our minds with his word. With books, Christian books that are good and, and uh, wholesome. Okay, number three, let's move on. A third discipline is to settle on things he's done. Search for things above, set your mind on things above. And number three, settle on things he's done. What do we mean? Look at verse three. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It, it's a matter of leaning totally on what Christ has done, what he's accomplished. And it's a confidence. So this is, the term is confidently do that. Confidently settle on things he's done. Bring yourself to that. It's a confident recall of our anxiety-prone minds to pull us back to, here's the rock-solid thing that Jesus has done. He died and he rose again. And thus it brings forth the security, letter A, the security that we know. If you're a believer, you have security. And when you say, as verse 3 is saying, you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, that's bringing you back to this place of security. It comes from knowing what he's done, that his work was perfect and was complete. And through faith, you are identified with him in his death and resurrection. And thus your life is, it says here in this verse, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a, hang on with me here, it's just a simple thing. In the Greek, it's a perfect, passive verb. Perfect meaning it's a done deal and it has lasting impact, lasting consequences. And it's passive because it was not done by you, it was done unto you. You are hidden with Christ in God because of His work. It's like that metaphor, we are clothed in His righteousness. Not in our own clothes, we're clothed with His righteousness. We're covered by His blood. Our life is hid with Christ as our representative. And because of He being our perfect representative in the courtroom before God, we stand firm. We stand sure That's why we call it security. It's all because of Jesus. You are kept by Him. You're Christian. You're wrapped in His love. And John chapter 10 says, you're what? You're in His hand. Now, all the things that you face, all the trials and difficulties that you face, can you remember John chapter 10? You're in His hand. Can you remember Romans chapter 8? Nothing can separate me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. The love of Christ. And by the way, another something that was done unto you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, is that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Sealed. In other words, there's that, that king's stamp and that seal. It's official. And we, so we have security because here's this issue of 
I'm identified in his death and resurrection. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a great salvation verse. Do you know that in the depths of your heart? That you died with him? Do you know that? Because that's the part of, here's faith and repentance at work. And that you are hidden with Christ in God. When God looks at you, who does he see? Does he see my sin? Then I'm in trouble. Because I, 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 something that I want, I want to be hidden in Christ. Because when God looks at me, he'll see Christ. Letter B, it goes on then to the identity that we show. We, when we settle on things that he's done, it brings about this, here's this reminder of security, but then it shows here's our true identity and it's shown in our behavior as his children. It, it, it's us demonstrating who we really are. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, but if you don't have that security... Your identity can be in doubt. And you live your life with a big question mark over yourself. I don't know if I should do this or not. You know, um, the more you're learning of Jesus and, and growing in the things of his word, the more confidence you're going to have because of who he is. I'm not referring to the, maybe the difficult decisions that you have in life. That's, that's an issue that, you know, it's, it can be a challenge. But in things that are moral, ethical things, you know, there, there's a confidence there because of who Jesus is. So, this is security brings forth a strength in identity. And it's made crystal clear that the Christian is the one who is identified with Christ and in Christ's death and resurrection. The Bible talks about it many places. Dead to sin, alive to God. Walk in newness of life, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. So, is that something that we need more of? To be settled in this truth, with this security, so that our identity then can flow out of that. Here's who I am in Christ. And it shows the world. It shows people that are looking this person is trusting in god so these here's the fourth spiritual discipline number four is to scope out things to come verse four scope out things to come when christ who is our life is revealed or when christ who is our life is appears then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And so there's that reminder again. When Christ, who is our very life, when he appears. So, letter A, number four, letter A is motivation. Did you hear me right? When Christ appears. The key word is when. Right? And I think, I know I've kind of slipped on it a lot. It could be today. 
And yet, if we're not in, a, in total agreement with that, here again is my mind is set on things of this earth. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I got my mind, too much you know, emphasis with my mind on the things of this earth. When I think, oh, he might not come today. No, the Bible says it could be any day. And the more we have that locked in and scoped out, so to speak, on the things that come, this provides motivation in your life and in my life. It's our present hope. You know, does Jesus have a set destination for you? Does he? Eh, Of course he does. John chapter 14. I go to prepare a place for you and when I I come back, I'm going to take you to be with my father. Swenson rendition. John chapter 14. He says it's going to happen. Okay. And unlike any trip ever. I know some of you, um, you know, heading off to different locations for the summer trips, you know, summer vacations. This, this trip is unlike anyone that you've ever experienced going to heaven. And why? It's all back to this thing that we started with. All because you as a believer in Christ have a vital union with Christ by faith. And so all the things to come center on and focus on Jesus Christ. When we see life, past, present, and future, with this perspective, that history, if you will, is His story. Our present tense is with Him, being present. Our future is all centered with Him as the core of it all. And it's just like, here's the universe you know, we, we look at the sun and we see there's, there's the center of our universe. And Jesus is that sun in our lives and we live for his glory. Well, it's not just motivation for living, you know, with this, the things of the future. But letter B, it's manifestation for living there. All heaven is going to be about giving God the glory, giving Christ the glory. It's where His glory will be fully manifested forever and ever. Right now, He's not yet been fully manifested in the eyes of the world. He's not yet fully manifested. He's still concealed from their eyes. But at that time, when when He will be completely revealed at His second coming, He will then be completely vindicated. And that will be a time of great rejoicing for his children, but a time of great pain and sorrow for those that, what? Rejected him. He will be completely vindicated upon his second return. So, you and I must be careful. We're going to wrap it up with these thoughts. We've got to be careful not to be self-deceived. We sit in church week after week, And the concern is that you're not deceived into thinking that just because you come to church and carry a Bible, that means you're going to heaven. That's not the case. You only go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. His righteousness imputed to your account. And you must be born again. You, You must know Christ 
personally as your Lord, as your Savior. It's got to happen that way. It's not based on your good works. It's not based on your, your ancestry. It's not based on your country, not based on your religion, only based on one thing, faith in Jesus Christ. You must be careful not to be self-deceived. The Bible tells us clearly, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 25, also Matthew chapter 7, of these things. You've heard it. The wheat and the tares. Of the wheat and the tares? Jesus is going to separate that. Of the sheep and the goats? Jesus is going to separate them. And both of them, listen... Both of them have, in our eyes, similarities. The wheat and the tares, even. The sheep and the goats. Yes, there are differences, and God knows the differences. So, don't be self-deceived. Make sure you know Jesus Christ. Make sure you understand that when you die, because there's no second chances after that, when you die, that you're pleading Jesus Christ on your behalf. He's already done it. And you can, you know, stand before God saying, I have no business going into heaven, but Jesus. And his sacrificial death on my behalf. So, beware in that way. So, True spirituality, it's a slippery little kind of a fish, but we want to grow in spiritual ways. And this is telling us how to do it. The key to living a faithful Christian life is to have a life centered on Jesus Christ. Not on this present world, because Jesus Christ is the center of the true believer's whole universe. And having this mindset will enable us to maintain a proper perspective on this world and all that we deal with. We're going to carry on next week with verses 5 and following, and that's going to be very important also to track along with, okay, here's heavenly-mindedness, and it's good to have heavenly-mindedness. And now, next week, we'll come together and look at What do we got to jettison off of our lives? What do we got to get rid of? Because there's work that he wants to do through your obedience, through my obedience. He wants to do that. And God help us to accomplish that so that we can give glory back to him for helping us to trust and obey and to give him the glory. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in thanks to you for who you are, for your amazing work in salvation, and for your precious and magnificent promises. Lord, all too often we are people who wander away or drift away from the the solid things of Jesus Christ. We want to draw near to you. We want to set our minds on things above. We want to seek you. We want to settle ourselves when things aren't going uh, just in the way we tried to figure it out. We need to settle ourselves on what you've already accomplished for us. 
Thank you again for your spirit. Thank you, God, for what you will accomplish in our lives. You're a good God and you're a faithful God. We pray that you would bring salvation to those who are yet lost in their sin and, and without hope in this life. Please, dear God, we look to you to do and accomplish your good work. And we who are saved would want to join in the procession to give you the praise and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.